You're listening to Gear Disrupted. What is up, people? Welcome to episode 7 of the podcast, You're Disrupted. Where our mission today and forever is to encourage and inspire people to live and work abroad through practical tips, actionable insights, and real-life real stories. stories. Emphasis on the real-life stories for today's episode. I'm your host, Gabrielle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Avi. What's up, y'all? What's up, Bobby? What are we talking about today? Well, first of all, where are we? Are we still in Medellin? Yes, we Last are. Last time I checked, we are. We are. It's been, what, two full weeks now? Yeah, we're going on week three. That's right. How's it going so far? It's going great. We will provide you a full update, deep dive into Medellin when we're done. But right now, out of respect for you, out of respect for this beautiful city, we're going to give ourselves some more time here to fully give you our list we're still experiencing things here so it'll take us some time we are however going to tell you about some other countries today and not just any countries these are very specific countries but before i get into that we are going to be talking about why we believe here at year disrupted both in our joint travel experiences and our individual travel experiences why traveling to unique destinations or even unpopular countries, even unknown countries, is a great opportunity to get more out of your travel experience. That is right. I mean, if you think about it, majority of the places that you may first want to travel to, if you're not already an experienced traveler, you may want to visit Rome or Paris or, I don't know, New York. But what we're trying to say is, Maybe try considering going to a place that's not as popular and maybe not as photographed. And we're going to talk about exactly why that is. Um, just to be clear, it's important to mention that we do support travel of all kind, obviously. There's nothing wrong with travel. But in our experience, some of our favorite travel experiences have been when we've gone off the beaten path. And today we're both going to give our top two favorites. Each of us are going to give two of our favorite countries or regions of the world that might not be at the top of your travel list, but maybe they should be. That is right. So so we're going to give you a little bit more information on why those experiences may be better than like your typical vacation. Maybe we'll get into some typical countries in a second. But how does this match up with our whole philosophy at Ear Disrupted? So our philosophy here at Ear Disrupted is all about being more than just a tourist. We don't want to just come to a city, go to the the western hotels and eat American food and then just take a bunch of photos at the tourist locations and head back. Uh, we at Ear Disrupted want to come to a city, experience the local culture. Wait, so you're saying that we shouldn't that we shouldn't just go to Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah, so we and shouldn't just Hooters everywhere. Exactly. There is a Hard Rock Cafe down there. And the a Hooters. But we haven't been. Yeah, because... Because we believe in what we say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. This year is all about adapting to new lifestyles, exposing yourself to different cultures, and hearing new perspectives. I mean, that is what this world is all about. Guys, there are 195 countries in this world. And we're not suggesting you go to all of them, especially some at the moment may not be safe or, or easy to get to. But... All that to say, this is a humongo world that we live in, and we only have a limited amount of years to experience all of them. Yeah. 
So what we're trying to say is instead of going to places where all you will experience is things catered to tourists, like all the food is not authentic to the country and all the tours are basically designed to make money off of you, just go drop in a city that's not as well-traveled and just explore. Right. And some of those experiences that you can get it's it's something more that travel can offer you especially if you're willing to go a little bit outside of your comfort zone because let's be honest growth and excitement never happens in your comfort zone right growth does not happen at hard rock cafe <laughs> excitement can happen if you have enough bloody marys but growth and and true perspective is not manifested in the medellin hooters Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't get to experience the local culture there. But let's let's back up a second. What are some popular destinations that people think of that? I mean, like these are popular for a reason. So we're not knocking these countries at all. We've been to a lot of them. They're amazing. Definitely go. But what comes to mind when you think of like po like most popular destinations? Um, London, Rome. London. You sound like you're from London. I was that annoying 16-year-old when I went to London where I like hopped off the airplane and immediately started talking in a British accent. Of course. Yeah. Sorry. Shout out to Miss <laughs> Ray's sophomore AP Euro class. I'm really sorry if I, you know, was annoying. But yeah, Western Europe, certainly that area. Not yeah, most of it, like Rome, Italy, France, I guess. Paris. It's most of Italy, Paris. Yeah. Barcelona. Barcelona lives up to the hype. Yeah, and same thing with California. So if you're thinking of Cancun mm -hmm. or um, what's the other? Cabo. Cabo. Right. Uh, like if you go to Cancun. You're in America. You, you're basically at a resort that's designed by American companies. It's basically designed to facilitate tourists. I so mean, everything is nice. But unless you go leave your resort in, uh, in Cancun or somewhere and go explore the, the city. I mean, Cabo is basically USC's sister campus. <laughs> I mean, it, it that's it's like nicknamed a little USC. Shout out to my, my university. But I mean, again, these countries are awesome. There's so many cool things to experience. There's, there's history there. But the thing that is important to know is that the world, travel is becoming more popular. So even certain places that might not be at that list that you just announced are, are growing in popularity. So they're only going to continue to become more touristy. And what do we, what do we mean by touristy, right? Because it's not bad to go to a touristy place, but like what are some of the downfalls of going to a super touristy area? For me personally, I want to go see places for, for the authentic experience to actually enjoy the beauty and the culture. But when the places are too touristy, you see way too many people trying to be Instagram models and just all they care about is taking photos and that's about it. Yeah. Um, I think second thing for me is um, the tours itself. Mm -hmm. Any city you go to where everywhere you see is people selling tours or those double-decker buses to drive you around the city or a lot of uh, those souvenir shops, that's basically like a tourist town to me. Yeah, Right. when everyone's following someone with a flag. When, you, when there's a sea of flags and a sea of selfie sticks, <laughs> it is a sign that you are in a touristy area. Um, again, not knocking those places. Yeah. I mean, we still say if you want to go visit Rome, by all means, do it. You will see tourists there and mm -hmm. it is a touristy space or place, but it's still a place to visit. Mm -hmm. All we're saying is 
consider also going to a less traveled place and that's where you will genuinely get to experience a different country and its culture speaking of less traveled places if you're deciding to travel or planning an extended stay stay somewhere keep these countries in mind and without further ado and i think it's important to mention we are not sponsored by these countries (laughs) we are not sponsored by these entire nations they did not put us up to this this is tried and true experience baby so what would you recommend i mean out of all the places you visited what do you think has been your favorite countries to travel to and where you've had the most unique less least touristy experience yeah so two come to mind i'll say the first one the first one is more of a region um it is the the balkan area of eastern europe um and a lot of these countries are former former yugoslavian countries Mm -hmm. um as many know and actually unfortunately not enough people know there's a horrible um genocide going on there in the early 90s there was a big country called yugoslavia that has had a lot of ethnic tension for for centuries decades um and everything came to a head in the 90s and basically they split into countries like modern day serbia modern day croatia modern day um, bosnia and herzegovina modern day uh, Montenegro and a couple of others. So that country split in according to some of the different ethnic segments. And now they make up a big group of of countries that are pretty similar because they used to be the same country, but there are a few ethnic differences there. So this is kind of in southeastern Europe. So it's it's what's called the Balkan region, also the former Yugoslavia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The former Yugoslavian countries. And I specifically visited Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, and Montenegro in the same um, during the same trip. How did you get to that region? So I, like I've mentioned, maybe I haven't. I had the opportunity to live in Spain for a while, which was amazing, and I was able to see a lot of those more popular touristy countries on the weekend. Um, at the end of my travels there, I decided to just spend a month digging through Eastern Europe. So you can get there by, you can get between the countries by train. You, of course, can fly there from Europe. I had been in Hungary and Budapest, which is another amazing country. Um, But we took some trains. And, you know, an important thing to mention about these, the trains in these countries is like there's so many benefits. But it's important to know that when you choose to go there, you might not be enjoying the same benefits that you would in another country. For example, the trains. Um, A lot of these, like if you think about it, these are former Soviet Union areas. So the trains are old. Um, English is not as common. Um, The the technology in the bus stations is not as advanced. And that's part of the beauty. It's part of the charm. It's more authentic. Uh, So we got around through, through going on the buses. So what would you say were like some of the fun experiences you had there? Yeah, so um, quick thing, I think the coastline is gorgeous. Um, the Montenegro coastline, yeah, one of the most beautiful places I have ever seen in my life. And it is probably the cheapest country I've ever been in in Europe. So so cheap um you're not paying tourist prices and mm-hmm. I was staying in hostels, so I was around other uh, travelers, but you do not pay the same prices. You are truly tapping into those local prices and it's absolutely gorgeous there. 
another really cool thing that I loved. Mm-hmm. I'm a history buff and being able to see that the people there are very, they're proud people. They're very kind people. Um, they understand a lot of people who are my age. I was born in 94. A lot of the people I met there who are my age grew up in a war-torn country. Right. For example, in Bosnia and Herzegovina, you can see bullet holes still in the walls. You can as well in Serbia. This is in their recent past. And people my age grew up in a war-torn country. And they are extremely proud people to put their best foot forward with their new culture. And I love that. Um, so one interesting thing I did, I would recommend this if you go to these countries. And they're small countries and they're easy to do you could see all those countries in a two-week trip or even a 10-day trip if you wanted to rush it a little bit. But there are so many, like in Bosnia and Herzegovina, there's so many different kind of cultural influences there. Mm -hmm. Um, You see a lot of more like Muslim, um, Arabic influences in some parts, and that's beautiful. But what's really cool and, you know, slightly, this isn't meant to be a bummer, but I went to the war museums in each of those countries. Um, And I saw how differently the story was told from the perspective of the the Croatia, uh, Serbia. And not that I'm here to decide which version I believe, but it's a really amazing opportunity to just see how people with the best intentions can see things completely differently. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's what makes us human, right? It's there's no good side and bad side sometimes. Um, sometimes there is, <laughs> but uh, it gave yeah. me a really unique opportunity to see a different side of history that I didn't know. And there's a reason. I mean, there's been ethnic tension there for hundreds of years, but there's so many different cultural influences. Yeah, and it was just beautiful. That's People awesome. are so kind there. Did you ever feel? that your safety was certain, you know, because a lot of people wonder, oh, Eastern Europe and and Mm -hmm. those countries, I'm going to go get killed there or something like that. Did you ever feel while you were there that it was unsafe or or anything? Mm -mm, Absolutely not. I had to yell at one Croatian sailor for catcalling me at one point, but that was it. Um, That's pretty much... That's standard. That happens That's standard procedure. That happens in New York. And I was traveling with another, (laughs) um, just another female... Hi, Amanda. Um, But we were traveling together and pretty much the only dicey situation we got ourselves into that I never felt unsafe, but just a word to the wise. Like I said, when you go to these countries, do not expect the same, you know, benefits or or certain things you enjoy in other countries. Like I said, that's part of the charm. That's part of the beauty. So going, we went to a bus station in Hungary to catch a ride to Croatia and they don't have automated ticket dispensers, which is fine. Um, gives you an opportunity to, you know, talk to another human being, but this particular lady did not speak a lot of English. And one, that's my fault for not learning more Hungarian after all I'm (laughs) in their country, but Hungarian is an impossibly complicated language and I had limited time. Um, so I was supposed to buy the tickets for Amanda and I, and I, she must have just thought because there was one of me, I only wanted one ticket. So Amanda and I got on the train, not knowing that we were only holding one ticket. And when the conductor came, um, we he found out we only had one ticket. And this is a huge violation. Like we we were told that if we had been in Germany or something, we could be fined thousands of euro. Um, we're basically train hopping internationally. That's extremely illegal. But luckily, because there was a very kind Hungarian person there, he was able to translate a little with the conductor, and the conductor understood. So that was really 
just a show of humans being awesome humans. So I think Eastern Europe, I was able to just see a different, kinder side of humanity because I got more opportunity to interact with real humans there, not just people catering to tourists, not just people giving tours. It was like real humans with real stories who were taking us around tours of like the waterfalls and, and things there. So it's a gorgeous, gorgeous countryside and coastline. I cannot recommend it enough. That's awesome. So that was going to be my next question. So for people who are actually interested in just going looking at places, whether it's, it's buildings or just nature, what's there to see in Balkan region? Yeah, so you got the coastline in you got the coastline in Croatia and Montenegro. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be aware, Croatia. Shout out to Game of Thrones becoming a bit more popular. Dubrovnik is where they film King's Landing, so that <laughs> so. is becoming a more touristy destination. And funny enough, Dubrovnik was my least favorite city in all of that area because it's becoming more touristy. But gorgeous, gorgeous coastline, gorgeous oceans. So you can see the coastline. Another thing that they have in that area in um, our these waterfalls these gorgeous gorgeous waterfalls um and then there are lakes there are hikes there are mountains so you can see pretty much anything there's a really unique delicious cuisine there so you get all the benefits of like you would in a normal country right coastline nature even cities unique history super unique history delicious food but for a lower price and for a more authentic experience that's true yeah i mean that's another reason right if if your budget is tight that's probably another way to experience other country right instead of going to somewhere super expensive where everything costs a million dollars just go yeah just go somewhere where it's you know uh, everything is pretty affordable. And I think one important factor is I would 100% go back there to all those countries mm-hmm. because I know there's more to explore. Yeah. I've been to Rome and Rome is super cool, but I feel like I've seen what there is to see in Rome because yeah. it's it's a more tourist-oriented city. Right. So I 100% will be back to Eastern Europe. I've been there twice already and I will definitely go back. Sorry for the ramble, but <laughs> as you can see, I'm very passionate about eastern europe worth a visit guys go check it out avi why don't you zoom us around to another part of the world tell us where you have been that you would recommend yeah so for me i think the most off the beaten path place is is antarctica i got to go there last year highly 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 recommend it to people Wait, I thought only researchers and government officials could go to Antarctica. Uh, that is not necessarily true. What? Actually, yeah. there are cruises that take you to Antarctica from uh, the southernmost tip of uh, Argentina or Chile. Well, basically southern tip of South America. Or you could also travel. I think there's a few cruises that leave from New Zealand. But in 2018-2019 season... Uh, that's when I got to visit. There were only 45,000 tourists that got to visit in a whole year. Okay. So it's Well, that see, ex- that's not a lot compared to other countries, but that would seem more than I would think of Antarctica, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, that's like increased significantly. Mm-hmm. Like back in 2016, there was only half that many people. Oh, wow. It's so in, growing. in the recent two years, it's grown quite a bit. So um, what did you get out of Antarctica that you've never gotten out of other places? I mean, I assume there's snow. <laughs> a lot of it. Well, it's more like ice. Okay. Yeah. 
So it's a wintry situation. It's a wintry situation. What, it's what is there in Antarctica that may not be in other wintry situations? First of all, it's totally unlike any other place that I've ever traveled to, like the landscape with the icebergs and just the way the sky looks, the color of the sky and how the stars are. It's just completely different down there. Do you feel like you're on an, in another planet? I, yeah, you totally could Not to be, ask yeah. a leading question, but that sounds so surreal and almost not of this earth. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, it totally was. Like one day the sky turned completely pink. The ocean was blue and it was definitely a view like nothing else. But other than that, you have penguins where that's basically where you go to see penguins. Okay. Can you can you answer this question for me? Yeah. Because you've been talking a lot about these penguins mm -hmm. and you even in your recent blog posts about Antarctica have a whole blurb about penguins. I've seen penguins, you know, around in places. Yeah. What's what's up with these Antarctic penguins? Because I've seen, <laughs> you know, that the, the penguins are a thing to be seen there. So wait, where have you seen penguins? In a, uh, in a zoo. At zoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're penguins. <laughs> okay, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. But there are penguins in other places, right? But I hear there's where? something. I mean, it's only the southern region, so there's a very small population of certain penguins that are like at the southern tip of South America, okay. which is like some islands, okay? There's a few penguins that are in Cape Town, South Africa, which basically are penguins that migrated from Antarctica and then ended up just just staying in, in kind of south. But other than that, penguins are only located in, they're native to Antarctica, that's oh, where they are okay. From. Yeah. See, I didn't know this. Yeah. You're blowing my mind here. Yeah. People... Did you see emperor penguins there? Because those ones are cool. Yeah. Emperor, the big ones. We got to see them. Did you see macaroni penguins? No. Which ones are those? I don't know. I just know there's a type of penguin called macaroni. I'm not sure about that. There's definitely a type of penguin called okay, macaroni. Okay, there might be. No. We saw a lot of Gentoo penguins. Those are the cute little ones. Um, and then we saw some Adelie penguins, and we saw one more kind. Yes. But normally, anyone who'd ever see penguins is probably at an aquarium or a zoo like me um lame yeah but to see just colonies of penguins in their natural habitat just flopping around on on snow and just like doing their thing it's pretty awesome and pretty amazing what was the coolest thing you saw there coolest would be um a bunch of humpback whales uh, we were on this tiny inflatable zodiac boat just out exploring and then we found these two giant humpback whales and then they were just coming around us within like 10 to 20 feet. Can you give us a fun fact about nature or animals that blew your mind that might blow our minds? Anything come to mind? If we're talking about getting our mind blown, we did see a giant petrel just crash a colony of uh, penguins. What's a petrel for those who don't know? It's a, it's a big ass bird that's native to kind of the southern ocean basically a seabird type of thing uh but it's huge i think it's like wing wingspan is like two meters oh or my something. gosh it's, it's like a Unreal. huge bird. and it's like our first day in antarctica like our first excursion and uh yeah this petrol just crashes into a colony of penguins and then picks out a penguin and then starts eating it alive Jeez. while all its like friends are are trying to scream at the petrol and trying to save it, but they couldn't do anything. All right, let us know in the comments which is more depressing, Abby's story about screaming penguins or my story about war. Um, 
such a great episode. <laughs> a quick question before we close on Antarctica. You know, I assume a lot of people, at least this may have been my conception before you went, that, oh my God, Antarctica, it's probably at least three times more expensive than any other trip I could take to Europe. Is that true? I mean, it is. It, it's not an easy place to, to get to. It is an expensive trip. I mean, um, a ticket does cost quite a bit. But then when you really break it down, you first of all, you're getting to travel to Antarctica. And it's like a 12-day cruise. And you're getting fed three-course meals for lunch and dinner and, and a great breakfast. And and you're getting a, a room and board. So if you were to travel to somewhere else yeah. and eat that kind of food to any like of the big cities, you'd probably end up spending that, that amount of right. money. Right. That's what I yeah. wanted to ask. Like if I'm planning a trip to Rome, yeah. I need to buy a ticket to Europe. I need to, if I'm going the touristy route, I need to buy a tour. Right. I probably need to stay in the central locations and purchase some of the overpriced food that might be there. Right. So in the end, do you think it's kind of a toss up? Maybe. It is, you know, it's just more money up front, which maybe, you know, which I found difficult. But once I realized and after having the experience, it totally seems like it's just, it is a toss up and you could just save up more in advance and then pay all that money up front. But then once you are on the cruise, you don't really have to spend any money. I mean, you buy some booze, but they didn't check our suitcases. We could have snuck on booze. Some people did. But lastly, I mean, another great thing about Antarctica was just the people. When you're on a cruise down to Antarctica and you don't have any cell phone service, there's no, you know, it's not like any other cruise where you have magic shows and dance performances mm -hmm. or roller coasters on the cruise to keep you busy. So you're just with 100 other people. It's a small cruise. And so over the 12 days, you really get to like meet all these people and you can imagine like anyone who's traveling to Antarctica is probably a seasoned traveler. Mm -hmm. No one thinks, oh, that's the first place I ever want to travel to. Uh, people usually leave that for last, just like me. That was the seventh continent for me to cross on my list. And so that's kind of why I went there. Uh, and there were a lot of other people who had you know, traveled to over 100 countries, a lot of people working remotely. So it was just a, a great experience. And by the end of it, we were like a little family that's awesome yeah thanks for sharing can't wait to check it out myself yeah so that's that's antarctica for you and reasons to travel there what's your other place yeah number three so again we're hopping all the way around the world a little north no penguins unfortunately uh, but my recommendation would be a very specific country in southeast asia now quick aside I went to Southeast Asia for two months. I backpacked around there. Southeast Asia is a magical location. Uh, it is becoming increasingly more touristy, especially among backpackers, primarily Thailand. That is not to say you should not go to Thailand. Thailand's amazing. They're all amazing, fantastic countries. They are just growing in popularity, including the one I'm about to mention. But this, to me, is still a very largely untouched country, and that is Myanmar. For those who don't know, Myanmar is formerly known as Burma. Well, not formerly known, but that's what the British called it when they occupied that area when it was a, um, a British territory. But the proper name, the, the, the name it's always been called by the people there is, is Myanmar. So one important thing to know about Myanmar, which is what was so cool is, well, I mean, this isn't cool. It was cool for us, but it only opened its borders to tourism 
in 2013. I went in 2017. So I went four years after they opened its borders to to tourism. And, and that was largely because that they were under the rule of a military dictatorship for decades. And they closed their borders. They did not allow tourists to come in. So really... 2013 they opened its doors there they opened their doors to the world for people to enter this amazing country of of myanmar it's crazy so very new and very untouched so So untouched and i think that was the most beautifully challenging part of myanmar we we so we saw three we saw three cities we landed in mandalay and then we went to bagan and from Bagan, um, we did a, or I don't, or we all, we went to Bagan, then we went to another city just to start a three-day trek to this place called Inlay Lake. So those were, we did a, a lot there. I think we were there for about a week. Did you ride around in, in a bus or did you rent scooters like most people do? Yeah, we went Asia? rented scooters when we were in Bagan. Let me just tell you a little bit about the different places I went. So Bagan is now a UNESCO World Heritage Site which only means it's going to get more popular. But Bagan is a beautiful city just filled with temples. I mean, the temples are incredible in Southeast Asia, but a lot of them you have to wait in line. You have to pay tickets to see the temples in Thailand, in Bangkok. In in Burma, you can just, in, or in Myanmar, you can just rent a scooter, ride around Bagan for the day with your friends and see all these amazing, amazing temples. It's so cool. So... That is amazing. That was an amazing city. And then when we did the three-day trek to Inlay Lake, we basically had a local guide take us. It was just my friend Amanda and I and three other people. Um, two were One was from Israel and two were from the Netherlands. And we walked for three days straight through rice paddies and we stayed in local villages. And I mean, that was just incredible. We stayed with local villagers and we were able to just experience how people live differently. I mean, these are people who get up early morning, farm all day. Farming is yeah. their main source of income, but they're they're happy, they're peaceful, they're kind. Uh, they, they don't have much. Yeah. And it's so beautiful to see their spirit. <clears throat> and I think the the coolest part about Myanmar was how much it challenged me mm-hmm. to be out of my comfort zone. For example, electricity, Wi-Fi, things like that, not that. commonplace. In fact, we didn't even really know where we were going. I mean, that, we were, that was kind of poor planning on our behalf, but we got out at a bus station in Mandalay. Mm-hmm. So we're expecting, and this was our bad for thinking of this, that it would be more of like a bus station. Yeah. Like, but it was just a it was roadside a, stop. It was just a very muddy parking lot with mm. some places to eat. You know, it's not like they had ticket counters. They don't have screens. Yeah. Um, and no Wi-Fi you can connect to. So <laughs> what we did is we just, we knew we needed to go to Bagan. Mm-hmm. We asked for what, what the next bus was that was going to Bagan. Uh, we did not have a... Um, we did not have a location to stay. We did not have a hostel or any accommodation booked. So we get on like an overnight or night ride bus to Bagan. We ate some food that we had no idea what it was. And we just asked some of the people on the bus. There was another person who spoke English what hostel they were going to. And we showed up at that hostel and just asked if there was space. And did they have space? They had space. Ostello Bello. Got lucky. awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just so incredible and just really 
the the people there are again so incredible they are so happy to see tourists yeah because they're just really happy to that other people are interested in their country they have such unique things from the from the things they wear to some um some makeup that they put on their face and they're just so excited to talk to you about it they're so sweet and so kind that's awesome and you also say that southeast asia is like where you felt the most safe as a as a woman like traveling absolutely i've i've felt more safe there than I did in Europe, than I did in South America, than even I do in Los Angeles at times. But it's just people there are kind, they're friendly, they're gentle, they're deeply spiritual people. I never once felt, you know, even though it was a little bit shocking, Amanda and I got off the bus at this bus station, which was essentially a muddy parking lot. And I mean, all eyes were on us. Everybody was staring because they were like, what the hell are these people doing here? And we probably looked like idiots. Like, we didn't have any idea where we were going. Anybody we asked a question to, they answered it. Nobody came and approached us. Nobody tried to sell us anything. No, I mean, one guy offered to drive us to where we needed to go, and we said no. Not that he was weird, but we just figured that was probably not the best move right after arriving to a new country. But so safe. As a woman, met plenty of female solo travelers. The food there is delicious and unique, and it is just, you are truly almost transported back to a different time. That's so cool. And I love it because, you know, all these, me saying, oh, there's no Wi-Fi, there's no this, the electricity grid goes out sometimes. Those are moments, like Avi said, to connect with the people around you, and even just to take time to think. When there's no Wi-Fi, and there's no internet, or there's no electricity, maybe you just sit in the hammock and listen to the, the night. Maybe you think about your travels maybe you just reflect i did so much reflection there i wrote so much poetry there um and and another thing is the the travelers you meet there are also really awesome and down to earth because a lot of people go to southeast asia particularly thailand to party some of the islands and some of the islands are just like we didn't, basically yeah party places we we went and we were like mm, this is not what we're trying to get here if we want to party we can go to Cabo, which is aka USC campus part two. Um, but we wanted to get something more authentic out of Southeast Asia. It's so different from America. It's so such a different place, such a different culture. We wanted to experience the culture there, and I'm so, so happy we did. I'm so happy we didn't just party hop and island hop. That's awesome. Well, yeah, that sounds like a great place. And hopefully I'll get to visit Myanmar. All right. Well, that was a trip to Southeast Asia for you guys. So we have Eastern Europe, literally the whole ass bottom of the world. We have uh, Southeast Asia. Yeah. Can you take us maybe to a continent we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah. So we can fly back. Zoom, zoom. South. And I think my other favorite place where I've had great experience has been Cape Town. Cape Town is... Probably not as unique as some of the other places we've talked about, but still, it's it's a place that none of the people I know had traveled to before, and um, I had just read about the place through some of the people that I follow online and some of the videos I saw. So it was just a great experience. Again, Cape Town is just an absolutely gorgeous place. It's uh, right at the bottom of South Africa, and it's just this little town, but all the people there are amazing. The food is great. There's, What's the food like? So there's there's a couple different cultures going on there. So you get seafood. You also get 
I think it's called Cape Malay food, which is like a, a mixture of African and Indian and Malaysian food. Okay, uh, that sounds so dank. Yeah, yeah. So there's oh like a, a big... Oh my goodness. Um, there's a big area in in Cape Town called Bokop, and that's basically where most of the Cape Malay people live. And so you can find, you know, great food. And then, yeah, the beach is awesome. And you have that backdrop of this huge mountain called Table Mountain. And uh, it's just like a very unique landscape. And so it's like a great place to go hiking and go surfing. And overall, just, just a fun place. Definitely like one of my favorite cities out of all the places I've been to. And I definitely want to go back there sometime. That's cool. Uh, one thing I haven't been, it's on my list, but I, how safe did you feel there? Because I know a lot of people are concerned maybe in more recent years about the safety in, in Cape Town specifically. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've heard it on the news, but I personally did not feel um, unsafe at all at, at any point. Everything, I, I walked around to places by myself, even late at night, and never felt like I was ever in, in, in danger. So I... I don't know. Maybe things have changed. I was there in 2018. So unless things have changed since then, um, I think it's still a relatively safe place. You just have to remember to any place you go, just be aware of your surroundings. Don't go into the bad neighborhoods and don't act like a fool and draw too much attention to yourself and you'll be all right. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, I want to go to the places you mentioned. And I want to go to the places you mentioned. <laughs> so we've at least convinced each other. Mm-hmm. We hope we've given you maybe some more food for thought. I think a main takeaway is, look, anytime you hop in a plane and go to a new place, it's going to be awesome. It's really going to be what you make it. Even if it's a very touristy area, there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, like there's a reason they're touristy. So go. Um, like we said, we are advocates for just new perspectives, challenging yourself, getting outside of your comfort zone. So some of these places might be worth considering and like anything, it's what you make of it. Throw yourself into it. Meet new people. Say hello. See things from their perspective. Yeah. Try something new. Go to a bus station and don't know where you're going. (laughs) I'm, I don't know. Maybe do, maybe don't, but, um, that that is what we love about travel and that is what we are getting out of this year that is right if you have any recommendations for us come find us on you're disrupted on instagram and let us know because i'm always you know most of the reason why i chose these places was because maybe i met one single person or heard one single podcast about it and decided to go um, and then they were people who inspired me to go cause they may have been the only people I've ever met who went there. So if there's a place you've been that we maybe haven't been, tell us. Yes. We'd love to hear. Cool. Well, all right. Well, hope everyone's having a ball in week. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. You guys hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to rate us, like us, leave a review. We we'll really appreciate it. And until next time. See ya. Bye.